This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Hello, beautiful people. I'm recording this with Banksy on my hip and she is kind of noisy, so apologies if you can hear her in the background. It's a weekend as I'm recording this intro, so the kids are home. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast. I hope these conversations bring you some joy and solidarity. God knows we all need it right now. If you're an avid listener, thanks for joining me yet again. I know how much content there is out there to consume these days, so it's not lost on me that you're here. On the topic of content, what have you been consuming lately? I thought it might be nice if I share some things that have been highlighting my weeks in lockdown. I've been completely absorbed with Nine Perfect Strangers, the Leanne Moriarty book turned series, filmed right here in Australia in Byron Bay. I've also been quietly binge watching Grey's Anatomy while I'm doing those long breastfeeding stints at witching hour. I started watching it from the beginning when I fell pregnant with Banksy late last year and have become so absorbed. Shonda Rhimes can do no wrong. Before I introduce today's ep, I'd like to start by saying a huge thank you to our latest Patreon subscribers, Leanne Burke and Elise Young. If you also enjoy the show each week and want to see it continue on, the best things you can do to support me are review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, or if you have the means to, you can become a Patreon subscriber for as little as the cost of a coffee per month. You can find the link for this in my Instagram bio at mother.other, or you can find another link on our website, mother-other.com, which is in the show notes. So on the show today, I am chatting with the wonderful and warm Phoebe Bell, the woman behind the incredibly iconic brand, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, Sage and Claire. We recorded this back at the beginning of the year before I birthed my daughter Banksy. Phoebe wasn't a woman who was certain she wanted kids until she fell in love with her partner and realized how important it was to him. Eventually, she had a moment of certainty and they began trying to conceive, but... Much to their dismay, their first baby took around five years to conceive, which was eventually successful through IVF and produced her beautiful son, Jude. Her daughter, Heidi, was also born via natural IVF cycle a few years later, using embryos remaining. Phoebe talks about how disruptive IVF is to a person's life and how you can't plan and schedule in advance. You are at the mercy of the entire process. She says it was almost a part-time job doing these fertility treatments, but luckily for her, managing life was much easier than it would be for others as she was running Sage and Claire and could choose her own hours. Phoebe experienced major burnout about six months after her son was born. As she admits, she thought she was superhuman, trying to do it all, which I and I'm sure many others can relate to. She felt disconnected from the mother's group as she was the only mum utilising childcare so early so that she could work, and she felt shame about that. Her daughter Heidi was born during COVID 2020, three and a half years later. So that was a stressful and disruptive time for her business, though she talks of how her second birth and postpartum period helped to heal what she'd experienced the first time round. Phoebe found the shift from one to two much easier than from zero to one. And though she feels like her identity wasn't impacted as much as other women, 
She feels softer, more nuanced than she did before becoming a mum. In this episode, Phoebe also discusses many medical conditions, including IVF processes, hyperovarian stimulation syndrome, chronic mastitis, hip dysplasia, chronic pain, and more. This is an episode rich with experience, inspiration, and it's a real affirmation to those of us who are under the illusion that some mothers are able to do it all. Reality check, we are not supposed to. We need to ask for help. We need a village. And this episode will help you to understand how to ask for support. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Phoebe Bell. Enjoy. Today's guest is Phoebe Bell, founder of Sage and Claire, an artisan homewares brand exploding with colour, texture and style. Having collaborated with other well-loved Australian brands like Thank You and Rolly Nation, Sage and Claire is renowned for its eclectic and soulful feel and, of course, the incredible colours. Welcome to Mother Other Phoebe. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. I'm a, a bit of an avid <laughs> listener, so it's it's amazing to be here. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Would you like to start by telling us who you're a mother to? Sure, yes. So I'm a mother to Jude, who is four, and um, to Heidi as well. She is eight months old um, this week, actually. Yeah. Would you like to go way, way back to your experience growing up and the type of family dynamic that you came from? Yeah, sure. So... I'm a twin, actually. So um, I grew up uh, with with a little best friend by my side. Her name's Jem. She actually works for Sage and Claire as well. So she works with me now. Yeah, so we had a very, I guess, tight-knit family for the first, probably till I was about 11. Quite a traditional family. I think my mum sacrificed a huge amount in terms of her work and her career. Uh, she, she did take, um, I think, the first five years of our life off from work and really kind of dedicated her time to raising my sister and I and even post that when she returned to work it was always about trying to find work that fitted with school hours and school holidays and all of that and my dad really worked in a in a corporate career during that um during my upbringing yeah and then um they separated when I was I think I was 11 or 12 so we had some difficult years in there. Um, it was messy and all sorts, but we've kind of always maintained a closeness as a family, um, regardless of what's going on. And so then jumping forwards in time to who you were as an adult working woman before transcending into motherhood, Sage and Claire, was that before you had your first baby or was that sparked by yeah it was before so the motherhood role it's funny that you bring that because I um I went on to um do law so I I qualified as a lawyer and um yeah so I but I don't know what it was at the you know ripe old age of 23 um that I was actually considering I was looking way further ahead and thinking well how's this career path going to work when I do want my own family I'd witnessed I think what my mum had done and I I don't know I I think maybe perhaps selfishly I'm not sure I I didn't I didn't want to do that I didn't want to have to sacrifice all of my own wishes and needs and and career and and all of that for my kids so I actually um it was to some extent why Sage and Claire even came to be. I mean, there's there was already like a passion there for homewares and colour and texture and handcrafted beautiful pieces. But 
it was also that desire to build something that was mine and I could set the terms, I think, hopefully, for how that was going to work when I had when I had my own kids and I wanted to start a family. Mm, yeah, that's a really smart idea. I don't think a lot of people think that far ahead <laughs> until they're sort of, it's too late and then it's like, oh, no, now I have to. And sometimes it does spark an idea for people, which can be great, becoming a mum, mm. but I think it's so much harder if it's not already established like it was for you. So then was becoming a mum something you'd always known you wanted to do? Not necessarily, but I think around that time as well, I'd met my now husband and I I don't know. I mean, I know there are people that just know they want to be a mum. For me, I didn't necessarily know that, but it was meeting him that I started to see that. It was almost like I needed to meet the person that I could see myself doing that with to really mm. understand whether I wanted to become a mum. So I think you know, it was a culmination of things happening at that time, kind of me trying to work out where I wanted to go with my, you know, working life. And then I met him and I could see us being together for, you know, well, forever really. And it was, yeah, it it all just sort of started to fall into place a little bit. And I think I did start to think, yeah, I, I would like a family with him one day. Yeah. So it was definitely lots to think about at that at that time at at 23 24 it's funny because um i think i hear that a lot now especially cuz i'm going i'm in early 30s sort of stages at the mo- um stage at the moment and so a lot of my friends don't have kids yet but i think a lot of people have the idea that they don't want kids or they're not really interested until they meet someone and then all of a sudden they go oh actually you know what maybe i do want kids because you can't really i mean some people do but you can't really visualize having a family without the other person to have the family with. So yes, absolutely. Finding that person, I feel like, yeah, it does make a huge difference. Hey, And then so starting a family was a conscious decision and you discussed it with your partner and you Yeah, actually it somewhat. was it was interesting. I was still a little bit on the fence, but he actually said, well, it's a non-negotiable for me, um, mm. which is an interesting conversation because you know, I've often heard that in the reverse. Um, But yeah, so he said, like, this is something that, you know, I really want for my life. If that's not something that you want, you know, I I love you, I want to be with you, but this is a non-negotiable. So I need you to figure Mm. out for yourself whether this is something that you want. Um, So it was an important part of our conversation, even I guess um, at that point in time, not that we were in any kind of, we weren't rushing in to do it or anything, but so I think over time as well, I got to thinking about that and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't saying it in a, in a, um, it didn't feel like an ultimatum, even though I guess, you know, it, well, it would have been a deal breaker. It was, you know, meant it was, it was a kind way of just saying this is, this is important to me and this is what I want. And yeah. Yeah. And I think so many people don't do that in the beginnings of a relationship. So it would be essential if it's something that you really want to Absolutely. sort of bring it up because imagine being dumped with that after you've been married for 10 years or something, you know, how did you feel mentally and emotionally going into either conceiving or pregnancy or heading towards that as an option at all? Yeah, I think, you know, it was funny. I, I kind of went from not really knowing to just saying, yes, I do want kids. And then there was this moment where 
I mean, everyone talks about it. It doesn't happen for, for all women, but this moment of like, I really, I really want a baby. I, I really want that. But I definitely, I don't know what it was. I went into it quite young um, because I actually thought I might have some issues. So I just, there was something, there was something about it that I thought I need to look at, this needs to be a focus earlier than maybe when I'm actually ready to um, have that baby, which was quite lucky, I think, that I did that because um, it ended up being almost a five-year timeline uh, from us kind of deciding that we wanted to try and start to conceive to actually um, falling pregnant. So Yeah, wow, okay. Yeah, it was a long time and I was kind of, that was sort of 25 right through to 30 it was quite quite a difficult time, I think. I um, I think being in my 20s, I was like kind of dismissed a fair bit as having fertility issues. It was like, well, you've got yeah. time. Don't worry about it. You're fine, you know, as if it was just going to resolve itself. And as it turned out, it really didn't resolve itself. And, you know, um, as the years went on, more and more kind of things were uncovered as to why I was having so much trouble uh, conceiving and um, ended up down doing, I guess, various stages of fertility treatments and then ended up doing IVF. Yeah. And IVF was successful for you. It was. Yes, it was. Yes. That's great. Yeah. And did you go through that again the second time around or was that? Yes, I did. Yeah. I, um, I did IVF with Heidi. I did it quite differently with Heidi. I, had some real complications with the IVF with Jude. I had ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, so it's a rare side effect. They talk about like a 1% of people get it. I unfortunately got that and ended up very, very unwell and in hospital. So with Heidi, it was what they call a natural IVF cycle. So it was working with the natural cycle of my body, I guess, without all the stimulating drugs. Um, And then I already had embryos from when I'd had Jude. So um, that certainly helped to make it a bit of a smoother process for me yeah, the second wow. time around, yeah. And then so especially during that time it would have been really tumultuous during that five-year period. Mm. Did you think about how much it would impact your ability to work or were you sort of a bit more focused on just becoming a mother because it, obviously it would have been a really long and treacherous journey to get there? Mm. I think uh, like... I mean, I had Sage and Claire at that point, so I worked for myself. I was incredibly lucky, I think, during that time to work for myself because I would often think, how on earth do women go through this, you know, these IVF cycles without it, without it impacting um, their career or mm. their, it, it's, it would be, I, I honestly don't even know how you could do it without being upfront and honest with your you know, employer about the fact that that's what you were doing because it is it is so disruptive and you also can't mm. choose the day that you get an embryo transfer. You can't just lock that in your calendar and say, well, this date works for me. It's you are at the mercy of the entire process. And I was able to, I guess, juggle that with my business. But of course, it was, you know, it definitely took it takes it it was almost a part-time job doing doing these fertility treatments. So it definitely take, took a lot of focus away from other areas of my life just to, 
to to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. It's all consuming from what I've heard from others as well. So you finally get pregnant the first time around and luckily you run your own business. So it's a lot, as you were saying, easier to sort of manage your time. But how was your pregnancy experience throughout your work life? I know that you were probably able to decide whether you would go in or not. And and I'm not sure what your workload is like, but did it impact your ability to do things that you would normally do or were you able to sort of just pass that on to others? Um, I think with Jude, I mean, Sage and Claire was very different at that point. I really had, like, I think I had a tiny team. I had my dad working for me because I just said I really mm. need some help um, in the warehouse. And But, he, you know, that was all just a few hours here and there. Um, and I did employ someone for the first time during that time as well because I realised, you know, I can't do all of this. But it was still at a point where, yeah, if things didn't get done, it didn't get done. So I still felt an incredible amount of pressure during that time to work pretty solidly throughout. But I did have quite a few physical issues. So, um, for instance, with Jude, for the last trimester, I wasn't able to walk. So I ended up on um, crutches. And then I also had those complications at the start from the IVF, which took about 12 weeks to resolve as well. So it kind of wasn't this really smooth sailing uh, pregnancy in, in any way. It was almost preparing me for what I think motherhood <laughs> um, becomes, which is that you can have all your best laid plans and you can say oh yes I'm going to get pregnant and then I'm going to go into the office every day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that um but physically I wasn't able to do a whole lot of stuff so it kind of forced me to have a have a look at what I needed um in my business to support that um and to support mm -hmm. me and then yeah I think when I had Heidi it was quite different the business had grown quite dramatically since that time um, but of course I had her in COVID and that was a very, very stressful and disruptive time for my business as well. So again, yeah, all these plans that you have to, um, to take time out and oh, I'm going to take three months off. I was kind of, I did have a lovely six weeks off with her, but then I really sort of needed to be, needed to be back on board in many ways because things were so so um tough there for a while yeah and then so postpartum especially with your first and given what you said earlier about the difference in what you decided to do with your postpartum which is exactly what I'm going through right now actually talk to me about the postpartum period the first time around how you felt physically emotionally support you received didn't receive <laughs> yes um gosh I I just think I was out to prove something to the world um, after I had Jude and that was that I could do absolutely everything mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to be told otherwise uh, at all. So I had him, I had, you know, I developed chronic, you know, mastitis all the mm -hmm. time but I was like, that's fine, you know, I'm, it, it'll, that'll resolve itself. I was at um, a shopping center five days after giving birth I went to a Christmas party when he was six days old with him I worked I was back at work more or less so I would often um, breastfeed and then I would stay up till 1 or 2 a.m working so that I until the next feed and then 
I just mm. was like, I I can absolutely do this. What What is everybody talking about? This is absolutely fine. And I did have a baby that slept and he was very settled um, for the most part. So I really, um, I, th- I think I kind of just thought I was superhuman and that the wheels weren't going to fall off. Um, but they, they really did. Uh, I think by about six or seven months um, old, he, I, I think I, I just realised I was so physically depleted and I was resentful and there were lots of things going on for me where, um, yeah, I went through a really tough few months where I thought, wow, maybe I actually can't do all of this and um, maybe I do need help from others. Mm. So it was quite an interesting time, I, I think, and I've heard lots of other mothers go through that as well. You you feel that you're so capable and you're like, I've got this, uh, but mm. every week is different with a baby and it does, not a lot even needs to happen for your whole week to get turned upside down. Totally. Yes. <laughs> I had a similar experience actually, especially with the mastitis stuff, like just, you know, as soon as he was born, it was like he had a tongue tie. I had mastitis within the first few days and then again and then again and just constant issues and I was back. I'm a photographer usually by trade and so I was back at work very quickly shooting weddings and having him come along with my partner and feeding wow. him in between. Like it was just crazy and, yeah, I also just had extreme burnout and yeah. this time I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm having three months at least mm-hmm. where nothing happens. Maybe a bit of – maybe I'll do podcasting or something but not a lot of a lot of work because it's, it's seriously – by the time you do get to that burnout, it's extreme, hey, because it's been so long. Yes. And you've been pushing through and then you just come crashing down. And I, I think what no one tells you is that – there's a relentlessness to motherhood. It's not, it's not a sprint. So you kind of go into it being like, yeah, yeah, I can do all of this, but you're not really considering how that might feel having done that for 12 months and then having to do yeah. it for another 12 months and another 12 months because even though the physical demands that like you might stop feeding or you might not be up overnight, it's still a demanding experience. So you kind of... Yeah, you need to keep something in reserve. Yeah. So it's not, yeah, I think I just felt like I had to prove something to everyone and then second time around I was like, I have absolutely nothing to prove here. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I've proven that I can do all that but I, I don't, that's not my choice this time. I don't choose to do that this time. Today's episode is sponsored by Noonie. Noonie is an Australian brand dedicated to improving the maternity experience and innovating postpartum recovery for women everywhere. Developed closely with a range of experts, their breakthrough products are much-needed upgrades on postpartum recovery and comfort. Check out their world's first instant chill padsicles and cleanse and soothe perennial spray to promote healing and recovery after birth. I was lucky enough to use Noonie products myself after the birth of my daughter Banksia recently, and they truly made a world of difference. Being able to instantly chill a pad just by pressing in on it is just a wonderful and incredible option for mothers in the midst of the postpartum haze. Enter the promo code MOTHEROTHER to get 15% off your order at nooniaustralia.com. Now back to the show. 
Did you ever find any other mums that were in a similar situation to you where they were running a business or working really hard while they were doing it all to connect with rather than just mums that weren't maybe taking on as much? I I don't think I really did at the time. I think I've since met mothers who we can discuss our experience, you know, um, at that time. But I, at the time I didn't, I didn't really know any mums that, that were, you know, doing it like I was doing it. You know, I was at trade fairs and things with my 10 week old baby and for four days and doing all, I didn't know anyone doing anything like that. So, yeah. And I also probably wasn't honest with those around me either. Like I had mother's group and I did try to go to mother's group, but I didn't even let on that I was juggling work and a baby and that he was already in childcare two days a week. And, you know, because there were questions at mother's group, like, so has any mother here been away from their baby for an hour yet? And I remember just going to answer with yes. And I noticed everyone in the room was like, no. And I just thought, Mm. oh my goodness, I'm so out of place here. I I just don't belong um, in this. And I felt really ashamed by it. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Those mother's groups. I feel like most people I talk to on this um, podcast say the same thing where it's such a strange setting. And I feel like it's very hard to find people that if you are even remotely different mm. in your lifestyle as a mum, mm. it's so hard to find other people going through the same thing at the same time in the same place. It's just, yeah. And so it would be good if we had other people to talk to who were in these situations. This is, I guess, why I'm doing this because so many people, they think they are doing something wrong mm-hmm. or making the wrong decision or ashamed for their choices. But it's not even really a choice sometimes if that's the lifestyle that you're living and if you are running a business or whatever it is that you're doing. It's, yeah, it's it's shitty being in that situation and feeling like you're the outsider. Yeah, and I, I probably should have just said what was going on, but I, I, yeah. I felt some sort of shame. And I also realised as well so much of the conversation is, you know, I mean, my husband and I made the decision that I would keep working, that he would keep working, that... Jude would go into childcare two days a week to assist with that, to facilitate with that. But I did feel that the conversation was often as if that was like solely on me that he was in childcare, not that it was my husband and yeah. me. Um, that the fact that Chris had to go to work meant that he was in childcare. It was like the fact that I went to work was the reason why he went to childcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you experience that whole kind of dynamic as well in conversation. And I think you do sometimes feel that there's some shame around that decision or that choice. Yeah. Mm, Exactly. And it's so true, especially with obviously male-female relationships with children. It's always the same. It's always, oh, why isn't the baby with you? Like, why is the baby in childcare? Why don't you, you know, and it's always the pressure on the mother and it's something's got to shift. But so going back to um, the shift from one to two children, what was the age gap again? Jude's four. So the age gap it was three, is three and a half years. Yeah. So you had a toddler essentially. So how was the transition for you? It's something I'm about to go through and I'm a bit terrified of. Yeah. I'm always interested to hear people's experiences with that, especially during the postpartum period and having a newborn, but also having to look after this other toddler. Well, I think, I mean, it was definitely um, 
I really enjoyed having Heidi. I really actually enjoyed it. And part of that was me, I guess, looking really practically prior to having her knowing what is ahead um, about what I needed. So one, it was nice because, you know, I did have Chris around um, at home, even though he worked, he was, he was around, but I also was really um, big on making sure that I had that kind of, you know, they talk about the first 40 days, but making sure that I really had that and that we as a family had structured um, enough support in place that I could actually have that experience. So that was really quite amazing and very, very different, as I say, as I've said, you know, to having Jude. Um, but I also feel, you know, having Heidi really hasn't rocked my world in the same way that having Jude did. I think by the time you have your second or your third or whatever it looks like, you've kind of grown accustomed to the fact that you, it's not just all about you anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You're very well trained in knowing that you you know you are you are a mum your your kids um need you you have to drop certain things to be there for them so I think having a second one was actually a really positive experience and almost helped heal some of the things I'd felt um from the first time around because I was able to do it the way that I wanted to do it um I was more clear I think even with those around me and I was I was really assertive like say if my dad said what can I do something to help I would literally send a recipe a picture of a recipe <laughs> and say yes I'd like you to make this for me I was super assertive I, I just it. thought you know what I don't have time to be like no 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 I'm fine you know I just actually lent on the people that were around me and said this is what I need and mm. so um it was a very different experience and yeah, I wouldn't say as kind of, yeah, I, f- I feel as though I've just sort of become really accustomed to being a mother of two much more easily than becoming a mother the first time around. So mm. that's really nice to hear for me. And also I'm definitely taking a page out of your book because I'm not great at being assertive. I'm getting better, but it's it's hard. But I think, yeah, it would make all the difference in easing that first 40 days at least to just be upfront with people especially with people expecting to show up and visit and all of that when you're not feeling it totally did you make sure you sort of laid down and rested the second time around because I assume you didn't do that the first time like me yeah I did um I I did and I also have discovered throughout my pregnancies that I have um hip dysplasia so I have you know a kind of a a real um, health condition that also means that I actually do need to physically rest. So I live with sort of chronic pain every minute of every day and um, pregnancy is not, pregnancy and birth is not kind on the body, um, yeah. particularly the hip area. And so that is, but I, I think that is all part of me becoming someone that is just willing to say I actually can't do it all I don't have everything together I do need help this is how I need help it's all part of that whole um journey I think and I wish that we were better at just actually saying I I do need help and this is 
you know, this is how I need that help because let's face it, a lot of the um, early days with a baby, it's it's a lot of practical help that you need um, to even feel supported. So if that's yeah. someone making a meal, if that's someone doing a load of washing, if that's someone um, taking the baby out for an hour's walk in the pram so that you can just be, they're huge things. Totally. Okay, so for a big question now, how much has motherhood impacted your identity? <laughs> I actually feel like I'm a lot the same as who I was, which okay, um, yep. I know is not generally the, the standard um, answer. Um, That's I fine. Think, yeah, I think a lot of mothers sort of struggle with losing their identity and then there's a lot of work trying to find it. I um, have really maintained my identity my identity but I think the impact has been you know I feel like I'm just more I'm softer I'm more nuanced like I feel as though I see complexity so much more than maybe I once did I think the fact that there were all these mothers walking around prior to me becoming a mother and I didn't have any clue what that experience was like yeah. It was actually a really interesting, when you actually look at that and boil that down, it's like, wow, what else in the world and what other experiences are people living that I think that I can understand that I actually can't understand in the slightest until I've actually lived that? I mean, I think I remember having giving birth to Jude and just thinking, this is ridiculous that women do this, that I know so many women that can do this. Like this I should be on the front page of the paper for what I did and yet this ha- this is happening every <laughs> single day. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, my mind has exploded I think in terms of that and really understanding that I, I just don't know so many things about people's experience and their life um, and it makes me want to know more and learn more and have more compassion and be softer. Uh, for yeah. people yeah totally I love that answer because it is different to a lot of the answers that I get and I wonder how much of that um, was to do with the fact that you'd created this whole business and were comfortably sort of well, not necessarily comfortably but you were sure about it and you had that continually throughout whereas some people I guess maybe they don't have something that they're able to hold on to throughout that transition into motherhood and maybe that's where it all begins to fall away really really love that answer it was yeah the other question I have is how much has your relationship morphed and changed with your partner yeah it did it's changed dramatically actually so I think um when we had Jude uh I would say we were probably I mean he he was he was great and 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 more hands-on than say what I'd experienced growing up from my dad in terms of like housework and all that kind of stuff but I think we still you know I, I felt like I still did the lion's share of all of that sort of stuff and he was the breadwinner and I was trying to grow this sort of business on the side and you know I wasn't bringing any income and so I think you know I I felt like I also had to take on the bulk of all the other aspects of our life and work housework and all of that but then I think as time's gone on and 
as well as having, you know, as having these issues with my hips, you know, I need a double hip replacement. It has changed enormously. I've, I've had to be kind of unapologetic about what it is that I need. He also has become the most supportive man I could, I mean, I, I actually just look at what he does in a day and I just can't believe that that's who he has become compared to perhaps where it started, where he felt, you know, I think we didn't get along super well for a while. There was resentment there about, you know, he felt like he was, he would go off to the office every day and work a hard day and I'd be working on the business and I'd have due 24 seven and he would come home and feel like he had, you know, he should be able to put his feet up and I'd be like, are you serious? Like I, I have been working all day and he would say, well, what do you not respect the work that I do? And, you know, I, th I think there's so many couples that can relate to this kind of dialogue yeah. that we get ourselves into. Um, but now it's very, very different in part because of so many conversations we've had, in part because I'm not physically able to do a lot. So he just has had to step up. But also I think Sage and Claire's also grown to a point where he's actually joining my business in a few months as well. So what that means for us as a family is quite huge in terms of how we do life together, what lifestyle we choose, how we parent, yeah. whose responsibilities um, fall on who, you know, all of that. It's it's actually yeah. it's it's massive what that what that does and incredibly liberating in terms of us being able to, I guess, really sit down and say, well, well, what what do we each want and what do we want for our family? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. It would be so great to have that ability to be able to sort of shift together into a working family situation. Would you give any advice to mothers who are maybe about to have a baby or have just had a baby and are sort of struggling with the weight of running a business alongside the baby? Uh, yes, I have a lot of advice. Um, I think first and foremost, like you actually do just need to be honest about what's what's happening and I think until you can really be honest about what it is that you're that you can do comfortably what it is that you can do in a sustainable way that you're not going to burn out I mean I think we all have a tendency to say oh my god of course I can do all of these things but can you do that month in month out probably not so I think being super honest with yourself about that and then if that means that some things just need to sit on the back burner then do that or if that means that you have the ability um to delegate to have people in your life that can do the things that you won't be able to get to then do that we don't all have that ability we don't all have that privilege to necessarily do that but if you do um i mean we kind of made a decision as a family that it was about the family unit and all of us as a as a family being healthy and happy rather than prioritizing one person over another which I think tends to happen I think it you're you're encouraged as a mother to put your kids before yourself before your partner before absolutely everything before your relationship before your own happiness but actually if you can really start to look at the family unit as a whole and then say, well, 
what's actually going to work for the family unit as a whole. So perhaps in parts someone else is not getting exactly what they need, but in other parts they're getting exactly what they need. But as a whole, it's really well balanced. Then I think that is, um, yeah, a really fantastic place to get to. And I think you can then really break down what it is that each person needs in the family and then how you're actually going to facilitate that, whether that's engaging help or just saying, you know what, we need to just put this project aside for now and we'll pick that back yeah. up Yeah, when when the time is right. Mm, that is really good advice. I have a final question for you and I'm sure you've heard it before. It is what has motherhood given you? Oh, gosh, motherhood has given me, I mean, aside from the most beautiful little kids I mean I just absolutely adore them but I think it's given me just the most simple moments that I I see them now I didn't see them before you know yesterday I was out in the garden and we were worm hunting (laughs) for the compost bin and I had Heidi and I had Jude and we live you know on an acre and a half and it was just this moment of yeah just simplicity there was it was just the most simple moment there was nothing to it but I just don't think I saw those things before and I really do now and it's something about the way that kids interact and the way that they operate that really helps us I think as adults and people that just are so focused on achievement and what are we doing and what what's the outcome and you know feeling as though we constantly need to be doing something, achieving something, and then you can just be with these little people and it's just not even it's just not even on their radar at all. And that is that is what it's given me. And I wouldn't say I'm even awesome at seeing all of those moments, but I'm getting better and I'm just so yeah, so delighted with with having that opportunity thanks to Judy and Heidi. Yeah. It's so true, especially when they sort of become toddlers and onwards. It's sort of what I'm experiencing now and it's very much slowing me down and making me look at things differently as well, which is really nice. Yeah, it is. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning for me. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to chat to you. Today's episode is sponsored by Nuni. Nuni is an Australian brand dedicated to improving the maternity experience and innovating postpartum recovery for women everywhere. Developed closely with a range of experts, their breakthrough products are much-needed upgrades on postpartum recovery and comfort. Check out their world's first instant chill padsicles and cleanse and soothe perennial spray to promote healing and recovery after birth. I was lucky enough to use Nuni products myself after the birth of my daughter Banksia recently, and they truly made a world of difference. Being able to instantly chill a pad just by pressing in on it is just a wonderful and incredible option for mothers in the midst of the postpartum haze. Enter the promo code MOTHEROTHER to get 15% off your order at nooniaustralia.com. Now back to the show.